game begin. Megovanen, Dagum Nerds fans. So, we are supposed to be on episode 100 right now, but before we do our official episode 100, we're going to do what we are affectionately calling uh, 99.5, because if you have not been living under a rock, the Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power, like, I guess the official teaser trailer dropped uh, earlier this week, and we have some thoughts to share. So joining me tonight is the self-proclaimed king of the nerds, complete with wedding band inscribed with elvish language, the one, the only, Rob Vasta. Strangers from distant lands, friends of old, you have been summoned to discuss the rings of power. This is the fellowship of the discussion of the breakdown. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so uh, we are going to be full spoilers talking about this trailer. Does it count as spoilers if it's for a trailer? Like, that's kind of on you if you haven't seen the trailer at this point. I would say it's more of a spoiler if you've never read the books. True, or or not seen any of the material up to this point. Exactly. Uh, because what I liked about the trailer is it, it was building upon stuff that we've seen in the, the previous teasers, but a lot more visual candy uh, than the last time around. So uh, a little more context. I feel like we got some answers on things, but still so many delicious questions that it leaves us asking. So uh, without further ado, just initial impressions. Go. Oh, my God. Gosh, I am so excited for 30th birthday. <laughs> oh, really? Is this going to be it's, dropping right around your 30th? It's dropping on my 30th birthday. Shut the dwarven door. Are you kidding me? No. Nope. What, what a birthday present right there. Exactly. When they first <laughs> announced it, I was like, beautiful. I don't need another present. <laughs> and you're like, this is perfect. <laughs> wow. Well, that's awesome. So, best birthday present, not for your uh, 11, what, what is it, the 11th birthday? Uh, my, today is my 111th birthday. Yeah, that one. Yes, that 111th. one. 111th. Yeah, so not for your 111th, just your 30th. Still a big one, the 3-0, moving into mm-hmm. a, a, a fourth decade of life, um, which mm-hmm. is pretty cool. But uh, other other initial impressions? Oh, I just... The moment that they showed the trees of Valinor, I was... Same <laughs> here. I know how that was something that we had been speculating when they, they dropped that one frame. If you oh. recall, it was kind of their peace offering when they said, hey, it's going to be delayed like another six months. But then they, they released it. We're like, are those the outline? Could it be? Could, are those the tree of the Valar? Is it is it Teleperion and Lorlin? And and you know yes. we're, we're like you can kind of see silhouettes, but then without a shadow of a doubt on this one, and oh, yeah. so beautifully done. I mean, along with the uh, the the narration of the the world was so young and hadn't even seen a sunrise, but yet there was light. I mean, oh, I, I got a, I got that the, was such a good line. I got the fanboy goosebumps, not going to lie, in that moment. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, I guess someone online has got to have verified this at some point, but I'm, I'm assuming the voice in that narration is young Galadriel. That's what I'm thinking. Which is cool because then you have that, that poetic echo of her narrating 
the beginning of Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings film trilogy. So mm-hmm. um, it, you can tell they respect the source material. And and me, even before we saw the trees, the, the moments I started having my, my Tolkien fan uh, tingles on the back of my neck was when you heard the Howard Shore Rivendell theme, just those couple notes yes. at the very beginning of the trailer, which I think puts to rest all of everyone's questions like, will Howard Shore be involved? I, I feel like they've got to be tipping their hand that, yes, there will be some Howard, Howard Shore scores. I mean, it would have to... He, he brought, along with Peter Jackson, he helped bring Middle Earth to life with that music. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they have... And he had, he had such... So many pieces, like my favorite one. Like if I ever want to have have a little emotional moment, I always uh, listen to Battle of the Pelennor Fields. Oh, and just the so epic. epic. Yes. So, so it's like to not have if if he's not conducting the music to the show, just that if he's just to have some pieces in there just to bring that connection. It it's just. It was so perfect, and it, I mean, it would be like trying to redo Star Wars without John Williams, right? Like, yes. like you, you couldn't. Uh, which is why I was so excited that his music was there in the Obi Wan show. Which, by the way, uh, I know this is a Lord of the Rings, so I won't be on this this soapbox for very long. But uh, if if you're coming off of our last Obi Wan uh, show, uh, you know, I gave it a very low score, re- relatively low. I mean, I still enjoyed it, but I said it was a five. And I said, you know, well, if I binge watch it, I might raise my score. Since then, there's a fan online, uh, and, and if you search, you know, Obi Wan fan cut, I'm sure you'll you'll find it at least until Disney Disney lawyers pull it from the internet. Uh, but there's a fan cut that makes it into a singular movie, and I watched it, and easily my score is now an eight an eight point five. I agree. Like that that's how much I feel it improved the story and just goes to show how medium is important, Uh, which I will now dovetail that back into our conversation here to where one thing that I am very interested to see is up to this point, we've experienced Lord of the Rings in two mediums as books and as movies. Now, you know, okay, no one at me that, all right, there's some comics or there's some web cartoon. Like, okay, major, the the major accepted forms have been books and movies. Yes, there are some video games out there, uh, but this will be our first foray into a television show, which kind of as we experienced in the Obi-Wan show, just because you, you're good at writing movie content doesn't always translate well into a television show. You know, there's a different level of pacing. There's a different way to develop characters. Um, You know, there's even a different expectation on the scale sometimes, but from at least what we saw in this teaser, they're throwing scale to the wind and going, we're go, we are going as epic as we can, even in a season one. I mean, the fact that they filmed in New Zealand for the first mm-hmm. season, it's just like, yeah, that's the it's the only place to go. I know that there's the news happened came what was it last year that is like because of COVID and New Zealand shutting down its borders. It's not they were they're moving filming to what Scotland or yeah. Ireland well, now? well, it's it's the UK uh, with with a majority of locations being in Scotland. Which I remember when I heard that news, I do remember thinking no. 
New Zealand is Middle Earth. It is Arda. Like, you can't take it away. But then what what did console me was the thought that in a way, well, not even a way, in a very true way, Lord of the Rings, Middle Earth is returning home. You know, it's returning to the birthplace of Tolkien. And, you know, the fact that he even set out to write this mythology, build this world as a way of giving England an ancient mythology of its own, because he was such a lover of Norse mythology oh, yeah. and the Celtic and like all these these things that had ancient myths, whereas, you know, you think of uh, the English, really the, the most ancient, and I have air quotes here, they get is, uh, you know, King Arthur, uh, which yep. is medieval. You know, this was kind of his attempt um, of, of giving them a more fleshed out uh, ancient mythology. So the, the fact, yeah, yes, am I a little bit disappointed that they had to move from New Zealand? You know, the, the birthplace of Middle Earth as we know it as, as movie fans, or I, I'd say this generation of fandom, sure. But if you're going to move it to somewhere, I, I, I'll take the UK. Agreed. Uh, at least they weren't like, uh, hey, we're going to move it to the, the Rockies in the United States. They'll be like, what? Oh, gosh. What? No, no. I mean, I mean, if they did, if they ever do like some episodes in Harad, that could work. Yeah, well, see, if they do it there, then, then we, we can, I, I can accept that a little bit more. But uh, when you consider that New Zealand and Scotland are kind of on the same latitudinal line in their respective hemispheres, yep. you're going to have very similar landscapes. Yeah, so, similar uh, climates and all mm-hmm. that. It's it's a it's a very well uh, picked choice alternative. Yeah, if you're gonna pick an alternative, it's an excellent one. Uh, but man, talking scale, uh, you have wide vistas those those grand helicopter shots that we're we're so used to seeing from the original trilogy. Mm-hmm. But but now a lot of new locales. So there there's a lot of snow uh, in this one that you know other than the 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 passive Mahadras or however it's said that we see them try to cross. Kahad- Cajadras. yeah. I was like, I, I remember it was something that I had. You know, there's a lot of <laughs> um, Thank you, Elvish. Um, but uh, uh, that's really the only, like, deep snow that you see in the originals. And so, mm-hmm. you know, it seems like we may be going even further north there in uh, Middle Earth. True. Does... I, I've been seeing maps online from different commenters and... Yeah. Um, I only know this this place because uh, it was actually a territory that you could get in the Lord of the Rings uh, uh, Risk. Um, yeah. So did did you ever play that? Uh, either the... I had I had it when I when it first came out, and I was a kid and did not understand a single thing of how to play it. <laughs> okay. Okay. Fair enough. Well, uh, did, do you remember if you played the like trilogy edition, or did you play the? Um, uh, the just the Fellowship of the Ring edition. Does that even ring I a bell? Think, I think it would have to have been the trilogy edition. Okay. Yeah, well, it, you would know the difference because the Fellowship, I mean, you're really just like the north part of, of Middle-earth. Yeah. Um, whereas, you know, the full trilogy, it's it's all. But um, I, I've seen a lot of uh, people online speculating that the, the icy region that we see young Galadriel doing her, like, you know, uh, base jumping from mm-hmm. is in the Fordowath. Fordwaith? Fordwaith. Fordwaith, it, you know, like yes. that that really northerly territory. Yeah, that's that could that could be, yeah. Cuz if Angmar 
was had the Witch King and all that, that would have been hostile territory. If they so they wouldn't have had a, they wouldn't be climbing up a waterfall pretty, pretty mm-hmm. safely. Almost, well, I air quotes safely. Yeah, uh, I, as safe as you can as an immortal being that uh, can still die from blunt force trauma if you're not careful. <laughs> um, so uh, one uh, other impressions I had is just they are going for very vibrant colors. I, but I appreciate that. But I do feel like it is a little bit more tame than what we got in the Hobbit. True. Um, in the Hobbit trilogy, I felt like it was almost unrealistic levels of saturation. Uh, like it almost felt more like a comic book. Whereas in this one, I feel that there are elements where a particular color saturation will pop. Mm-hmm. But it then has the more like subdued tones that we're used to seeing from the original uh, Lord yeah. of the Rings trilogy. So, so it's almost like it's an in between. So it's almost like they took feedback from both sets of people that you know, for better or worse, enjoy different aspects of the original trilogy versus the, the Hobbit trilogy, and and now they have this middle ground. Um, the the other thing is I I noticed there was a lot of focus on the new characters. Um, yeah. So yeah, other than young Galadriel and young Elrond, um, mm-hmm. which it, it's it's interesting that Galadriel is being portrayed as this firebrand, like go out and get them kind of character, and then Elrond is much more the reserved, like no, we need to pull back. Um, it, it's it's interesting to see that dynamic. You'd almost feel like that uh, Elrond would also be a uh, a firecracker, even as a young kid but you know you know maybe the ambition comes out in other ways um i but... think that it's just the uh the fact of that probably the first age has it's only been a couple of decades since the first age no it would probably be a written of this i would say a couple it would be a hun- couple of hundred years since the first age ended and after all that conflict that they had with morgoth that it's him it's elrond just trying to just have some peace now mm-hmm. instead of just constant war and and th- and in this case Galadriel is wanting is is still on the alert because she's been in that fight longer than Elrond has. Mm-hmm. Well, what what's also interesting is we we still know nothing about timeline. Um, oh yeah, like we we know it's in the second age. But, you know, to say it's in the second age is like saying that, you know, someone who lives in Texas. <laughs> it's like, OK, you've narrowed down it. A li- you've narrowed the geography a little bit, but there's still a lot that can transpire. So um, on that note, something interesting that I, I as I've been you know, reading up on this is that uh, something that has been supposedly leaked is that the first two episodes will be like a movie. 90 minutes each, and they're supposed to be focused on retelling the events of the first age. Yes. So, yes. and and if, if you are a hardcore fan, there are multiple moments in this teaser that hearken to major events of the first age um, and, and second. But, uh, I mean, it, it, seeing the trees of Valinor, or, or the Valar alone tells us that there's going to be some first age recap. Um, but then probably even more prominently, 
uh, there's it's a really quick shot, and you know if you don't know what you're looking at, you can completely pass it over. But if you're a Silmarillion fan at all, you just kind of go. But but the oath of of Fëanor, when when all those those elves cross their swords together, I'm pretty sure that's what it is, and the internet seems to agree that that is the the fabled oath of Fëanor, which if if you've read the Silmarillion, you know kind of sets off all of the the bad stuff as they they make basically like a blood oath to um, go after these Silmarils uh, that have been stolen, and you know that sets off all of the events of the Silmarillion. Yeah. Essentially, it's bas- it's a blood it's an oath, but it's also just from from the way I gathered it, it's a it's a curse as well. Well, yeah, well, it, it's a curse because th- there's not a whole lot of positives to this oath. Oh, it, no, no, there is no positives whatsoever. It's basically you must commit your life to this quest or, you know, your teeth will rot out, your parents and children will die. Like, all the bad things will happen to you if you don't do this thing. And if, um, it, and if someone that you consider an ally hap- happens to have it, you kill them to mm-hmm. get get what you want or Get what you claim to reclaim. Shall I read? Shall I read the oath of Fanor right here? <laughs> be he foe or friend, be he foul or clean, brood of Morgoth or bright Vala, Elda or Maya or aftercomer, man yet unborn upon Middle Earth, neither law nor love nor league of swords, dread nor danger, not doom itself shall defend him from Feanor and Feanor's kin, whose hideth or hoardeth or in hand taketh, finding keepeth or afar casteth a Silmaril. This swear we all, death we will deal him, ere day's ending, woe unto world's end, our word hear thou, Eru our father, to the everlasting darkness doom us, if our deedeth faileth, on the holy mountain here in witness, and our vow remember, Manwi and Varda. Very well. Woo! I got chills there. I know, right? Like that. Like <laughs> these are the things that, as deeper Tolkien fans, you just get really excited about. These things that have just been words on a page are now going to have a visual. And it, I will say the the eye candy factor in this teaser trailer is pretty high. I mm-hmm. mean, but between the action and the the different locales and environs that the show is going to bring. I mean, you get a little bit of everything in this and it's oh. beautiful. I think I, do you remember that? There's a part in the teaser where is she's saying like, I've seen a lot more. I've seen so much more bloodshed. Yeah. Like Galadriel and it shows someone underwater and there's fire above her. And there's, right. Right. That's gotta be the burning of the ships. Where, really? That's okay. what I, I just hmm. thought of it. It's like that would just the visualization of that is like it, it has to be it unless it's just one of Morgoth's raids at, at one of the port cities. Well, again, timeline wise, we we know that Sauron has to be the bad guy in this. Yes, he has to be. So if he's the bad guy, then that means that this is this is still the part of the second age where Valinor exists. You know, there, there hasn't been the sundering of yeah. Valinor away from middle earth, um, yes. which would also mean, you know, where, where does the, um, 
the the kingdom of Numenor come into this as well. Numenor so, would be at its it it would be in its prime. Right. So, ergo, I think you could be on to something that it could be the burning of the ships, um, uh, or it's her having foresight vision, like like she's seeing into the future, mm-hmm. um, because you know Galadriel as as has been established. True in uh you know the lord of the rings trilogy granted by uh you know the aid of the palantir but i mean she's gifted with kind of that foresight so could it be that when she's she having doesn't have a palantir oh well not at this point in time um but what well, was that she never had a palantir oh uh, well palantir... No, no 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 not a palantir whatever that um the mirror yeah the, the mirror that's what i was referring to yeah. no right okay. right she, she was never corrupted by a palantir that's right mm-hmm. um but, um, you know, when she's talking to Elrond and she says, you haven't seen the things I've seen, you know, the first time I watched the trailer, I took that as like, oh, you know, past tense. But could she also be referring in a, in a neat nuance of that statement to True. not just past events, but you haven't seen the things I have seen as in future scene, mm-hmm. um, which would be a interesting uh, take on that line. Be, but but at some point, at some point. Sauron is going to trick people and and uh, corrupt the men of Numenor to attack Valinor, or you know the, their failed attack. So oh, yeah. is is she foreseeing that as well? But but not sure what she's seeing. Maybe it's uh, I can see it as the burning of the ships at at uh, at Valinor, or it could be the. Um, with uh, Alindil and his family and his allies as they were trying to flee from Numenor, it could hmm. be something related to that as well. Or, or it could be a battle that is yeah, specific battle, to this yeah. show. Um, because I will say something that I think Aaron brought this up uh, last time uh, he was with us, uh, or maybe it was just in, in passing, but I did not realize that Amazon does not have the rights to the Silmarillion. They only have the rights to the Lord of the Rings, which is why you have, you know, kind of this focus on characters like young Galadriel and Elrond. So, so, so what we mean by that is the events that are referenced in the Silmarillion are kind of like, okay, you cannot touch these pillars. Like you can't change these. Okay. Um, so, so they don't have rights in the sense that, like, they can't rewrite any of those events in any way. Good. Um, but that leaves a lot of wiggle room in between because when you're talking about thousands of years worth of unwritten lore, mm-hmm. um, that there's a lot of stuff you can concoct, um, such as the Harfoots, because this is a a new addition to Middle Earth. These uh, Hobbit uh, precursors. Uh, because yeah, very obviously with the shots of the, the fat furry feet, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, these are obviously the, the pre hobbits, uh, the, 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 the proto hobbits <laughs> as it were. Uh, and Proto-bits. I'm, I'm okay with that, but, but Harfoots is something that, uh, you know, some fans are taking a, a, uh, a chip on their shoulder because Harfoots are mentioned in lore, but they, they exist in the third age is kind of a variant of Hobbit. So to suggest that these Harfoots are a pre-Hobbit is kind of sloppy um, as far as just uh, continuity goes. But I'm, I'm, I'm not so much of a, a uh, 
purist. No, yeah, I'm I'm not that much of a Tolkien purist that I I'm not okay with a little bit of creative interpretation. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the the other thing that really struck me about the trailer is you know there's been a lot of furor online with oh they're destroying Tolkien's lore because they're they're bringing in races and and characters that would never have existed and. I don't know. I did not get that impression from the trailer. In fact, my wife as well was like, why has everyone been so up in arms? Like that, that kind of seemed like it fit. And I said, yeah. well, hold off. They didn't show any dwarf women without beards, which is obviously the big thing that people are losing their Tolkien minds about. <laughs> um, but uh, that having been said, I did feel like everything felt relatively in place, which made me wonder if part of the reason there's this been re- this, this almost ninja release of the uh, second teaser is they needed to like put something out there to appease fans. And so I felt like while it was a very entertaining trailer, I felt like it was a fairly safe trailer in the sense that most of what they showed were things that, you know, for, for fans of the, the Silmarillion would get them excited. It was characters that we already know. And if it was a new character, it was it was it was kind of like the non-controversial new characters, yeah. um, but uh, I don't know. I, I, I visually I'm very excited for this, um, and my overall impression of the trailer left me a lot more hopeful than anything else. Um, and uh, my, Meredith watched it with me, and I mean, and she's not near the Lord of the Rings fan that I am, and even she was like, "That looks awesome. When does it come out?" Because <laughs> she's not been following it uh, as. Uh. As closely as us dads have on Dagum Nerds. <laughs> but uh, any other initial impressions that jumped out at you? I'm. It's ba- basically it's just like you're everything that you've said is it. I thought of the same thing. I'm looking forward to it as just. I'm as a big as I'm a big Tolkien fan because I, I grew up with this and listening it to it with my mom. As we went to, as she took me to school, so it's it's a it's got a place near and dear to my heart. Yeah. So to see that there's f that it's not it does not look like it's just been a cheap knockoff. That it looks like oh, they've they've put some that, dollars into this. Yeah, they put some dollars and effort into it. That I am, I'm just I am totally looking forward to it. So now here's a question because this this is something that the internet is not agreed upon, but. Mm-hmm. At around two minutes in this teaser, uh, this is not the first time we've seen this fiery figure, but okay. there's an additional shot of this fiery figure. And the, the scuttlebutt in the internet is, is this character Sauron, or is this character Tom Bombadil, or is this just a completely new entity that we know nothing about? Give me one quick moment so, and I'll take a look at this so fiery figure. It's, it's it's I want to say it's at two oh four two oh five in the teaser trailer, but you see this man uh, who who doesn't who doesn't appear totally naked, but only has a, a very sparse loincloth. <laughs> but uh, he's surrounded by this fire, and in the original teaser, you saw a Harfoot uh, like reaching out, and you couldn't tell if he was like trying to pull him out of the pit or pull him out. like you couldn't tell what he was doing. But an additional shot in this teaser was an overhead shot of the fire dissipating and leaving somewhat of a symbol carved into the ground around him. Mm-hmm. So 
uh, people's initial thoughts is this could be the power of Tom Bombadil, but some other folks are thinking, is this the form that Sauron is going to take? Uh, but this is a demonstration of his power and a precursor to the eye, uh, because that's what some could folks be. think that, that, that last kind of, uh, uh, impression yeah. that's left on the the ground is a a foreshadowing of. Um, yeah, I agree that it looks more like it like something of Sauron, because with Bombadil he he never he never really just from the part that we have of him in the Fellowship he doesn't concern himself with the outside world outside of his own boundaries that he makes. So for him to be to concern himself with Sauron is I don't think it's him or if it is Tom Bombadil which I, I will readily admit I'm not in this particular camp but if it is him you know maybe it's the events of this show and you know the stuff that goes down that mm -hmm. makes him into a little bit more of a pacifist you know <laughs> I'm on no one's side because no one is on mine to steal something from <laughs> Treebeard um, but uh I I think it's Sauron for for two reasons. One, mm -hmm. um, you know, it, it, it looks like, you know, you can't quite tell his facial features because he's surrounded by fire. Uh, but we do know that Sauron's appearance in the form that he takes here in the Second Age is a fair one. You know, mm -hmm. he, he comes across as someone I would imagine very handsome, very intelligent, uh, very cunning. Because that is how he gains favor with the Numenorians and ultimately gets into a position to corrupt them. Um, oh, yeah. and, and I feel like the figure that we see could semi-fit that description. You know, maybe this is a moment where uh, you know, he, he's a, a Maya who's kind of like you know, in the world of Lord of the Rings, kind of like the, the angel equivalent. Like they're not, he's not quite a god. He's almost like the, the assistant to the regional god, uh, as it were. Yeah. He's because the way that it was set up is basically the Catholicism way that there's a hierarchy of like God, then the archangels, mm -hmm. then and then level different levels of angels. The archangels are the Valar mm -hmm. in in Middle Earth, and then af under them, I forget their I forget what they were called the Maya. I think yeah, it's the, the Maiar, mm -hmm. the Maiar, and the Maiar each. Each Valar had one or two Maiar mm -hmm. basically assigned to him. So Sauron was the Maiar of Morgoth or mm -hmm. Melkor. Or Melkor. Yes. And so him, with Morgoth gone now, he's, Sauron is still, he is the, a, a threat. Oh, it, well. We see the threat in Lord of the Rings, so oh, yeah, yeah, threat is an understatement. But with uh, him being, but he's still considered a threat even during the Second Age because he's mm -hmm. set himself up in in Mordor at this time and building Barad-dûr, but still going out and having, the, like you said, the fair appearance and him being the bringer of gifts and the mm -hmm. and teaching the ways of how to make rings of power. Yes. So, uh, which but before we go into that line um so some speculation i've seen is that uh we, we see we saw in the previous trailer that a harfoot is interacting with this figure that again it's not been confirmed or denied that it's sauron but a, but a harfoot is there 
assisting him in some manner. So there's speculation that does Sauron corrupt or trick the Harfoot people into helping his ascension to power, which would be a kind of, uh, it would be poetic in a way that he tricks these people in helping him rise to power only to have two hobbits in the third age be responsible for dethroning him. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, whether that's true or not, I'm like, oh, that's kind of just a beautiful idea, even if it ha- doesn't happen. But uh, Oh, I just looked this up, and I I think our our theory may be wrong about that being Sauron. Okay, what, what's, the, what's the theory you get? Because, I mean, it no one be quite knows. Because the... Um, the Istari, the five wizards, appeared during the Second Age. Right, so the, we blue, could the eat... blue wizards, right. Yeah, the f- well, the blue wizards, Gandalf, Saruman, Radagast, they all appear during the Second Age. So we could easily, that could easily be, be seeing an Istari coming from heaven, coming hmm. from handing heaven and landing ah, on Earth. Is that the comment then that we see? That everyone's like yeah. looking up in the sky. So, so is that <gasps> yes. giant fireball? Is it that oh. comment that everyone sees? Maybe that's, that's the other it. thing. Is I'm like, is that just a red herring? Like, what is this comment? Uh, yeah, because so the because they were the, like in the teaser before this teaser that came out a couple of days ago. They were, there's the big focus on this fireball coming across the sky and everybody looking up. So, oh. Ho, ho, ho. Now, we know that Gandalf, Radagast, Sauron was not the first. And so, so was it the blue? What, was the he, blue, was they he all number came, one? Or? They all came at the same time. They just spread oh, out. Really? Different, I, thought, the, I thought they came in different times. Because I, I, I don't think we're going to see Gandalf and Radagast and Sa- Saruman in this show. Because I, I thought, timeline-wise, they showed up a bit later. Now, I, I could be wrong. That mm-hmm. uh, I mean, it could be. It, it it could be this sorry or it could be just Saur, Sauron travel is being almost kind of like a pre part of the prequel episodes where it's him fleeing from ah he's a, he's escaping as it were yeah mm-hmm. he's fleeing from uh the de- the final bat- battle with then at with Morgoth and it's him just basically assuming a fair form then it could hmm. be that as well, but that's true. I like that as story and look as well. Hey, listen, I'll be happy with either. Um, mm-hmm. Probably my only disappointment is if it's just this completely new character that they're introducing. We're like, oh man, you had so much lore you could have pulled from. Um, well, there's not really any other like heavenly hosts that appear because I don't think Bombadil is. He was just there since the beginning, hmm. and there weren't any other spiritual forces that came other than the Starry and then the Valar. And hmm. well, so I don't know. Well, another appearance that I'm excited to see and has to be in this series, you know, maybe not season one, but surely at some point between season one and season five is Celebrimbor. I mean, if oh, you're yes. going to call the show, the rings of power, then you gotta have the forger of the rings of power. Oh yeah, because uh, you gotta have, we gotta have a Galadriel getting Nenya. Yep, yep. I mean, you, you gotta have. I mean, how many is there total? If you have the nine, but 
So I guess 20, there's these 20 rings that are made. So we've got to see Celebrimbor. And up to this point... He makes only... He only makes the three rings. And no... I know Sauron gifted the the seven to the dwarves and the nine to the kings of men. Mm-hmm. But I don't know... I'd have to look that up again because I don't... Because I don't think Celebrimbor made those rings. He just made the three out of uh, the three okay. great rings. Hmm. That, yeah. That so see that. Sauron. See that's a good. That's a good trivia question. Is like we know Celebrimbor is responsible for the the rings of power that the elves received. But yeah, the the other ones did Sauron. Well, maybe it makes more sense then that Sauron would have crafted the ones, the the seven for the dwarf lords and then the nine for men because it corrupted them. So I guess that would make more sense, whereas the, the elven rings don't necessarily have the same corrupting power. Um, hmm. Okay, so it was Kel- Celebrimbor that made the rings, of pow- that made all but the that one. That made all of them, yeah. He just didn't make the one ring. Yeah. Yeah. Now... Now, was it that like it was like a collaboration project with Sauron for the other Sauron rings? was Sauron was the one that taught Celebrimbor how to make the rings of power. Okay. So, so the only reason why the three weren't weren't corrupted was because Sauron was not there when they were made. He he was hmm. there and okay. and put had had his influence put in with the dwarf and the men rings, but never the elves. They were still connected to the one ring so that when it was destroyed, their powers were destroyed as well. Gotcha. Okay. But he never touched the elf rings. Gotcha. Yeah. See that, that was one that, that part of the lore was always a bit fuzzy for me. Um, Mm -hmm. but, uh, I mean, we're, we're going to see them. Uh, we have to see them. Oh yeah. I mean, that, we see them in the uh, like the the pre-roll of the Lord of the Rings trilogy when Galadriel's giving her kind of background tale. Oh yeah. Uh, but here we'll get to see the actual forging, which is exciting. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, you know, did did you ever play the? Um, oh my gosh, I'm totally blanking on the name. Shadow all of, a sudden. of Mordor. Shadow of Mordor. I was like, it's it's not the Ranger of Mordor, but yeah. Did you ever play the Shadow of Mordor? I games? did. I did. I. I'm not a fan of them seeing how much liberty liberty they took with with the story but it was well at least the first game was enjoyable to play an interesting it was an interesting idea yeah i I will say that the game was fun for about six hours and then it was like oh wow I'm literally just wash rinse repeating everything. But like there, there wasn't a whole lot of like additional things to discover. Like once you kind of understand, okay, this is how I defeat an orc camp. This is yeah. their weaknesses. Use these skills. You basically just do that over and over and over and over and over and over. I mean, to me that the the I feel like the Assassin's Creed games had the same pitfalls of like, yeah. all right, you get these skills and then it's just wash rinse repeat on the same missions over and over and over again. And you, um, and the only reason that they're different is because you get you've already had better weapons, so you're just like, <laughs> okay, right. I'm going faster. Yeah, I'm doing it slightly faster. Now, I will say the the in game system of like the enemies learning over time, like if you don't defeat oh, that the enemy, was a, that, that was that, a great mechanic. That was really cool. I I wish it had made it even harder yeah, because while it was interesting, I never felt like it made it. Um, it, it was never like. Uh, 
oh, not Forbidden Souls. There's never Dark Souls level of hard. Yeah. Um, but uh, they, they were they were fun enough games. Um, mm-hmm. And and I mean, if you're gonna take liberty anywhere, do it in do it in the lands of Mordor, where there isn't a whole lot of additional <laughs> lore to be had. Um, yeah. But uh, all to say is, I'm excited to get to see Celebrimbor in a little bit more of an official manner versus mm-hmm. the kind of like asterisk canon of the the Shadow of Mordor games. Yeah. Um, which I don't even think the Col- Tolkien Society ever acknowledged as canon. They no. pulled a lot from it, but it was kind of its own like sub canon. The fact um, that you get a that in the Shadow of War, the second one, in one of the DLCs, you you're playing one of the Gondorian soldiers who's trying to survive in the des- the southern desert and is having to use a grappling hook crossbow to survive. Yeah. You know, they were just trying to make the game interesting yeah. at that point. Yeah. But uh, uh, I, they, they were still fun. I never played Shadow of War. I just played Shadow of Mordor. Um, so I, I don't know anything Good about the second one. The second one really starts taking liberties there. Okay. So it was just like, okay, this you've gone a little too far. Well, for me, I was just excited to see the, the Sea of, of Nurnan in the first one, because I remember in, uh, again, this was the Lord of the Rings risk. That was always like, mm-hmm. it was always the place I would take all of my guys and like hide them there and then build up force. And then just like, Oh yeah. Bust out. And there was like this special card that normally you can't cross over mountains, but there was a special card called the way is under the mountains. Um, uh. and, and it would give you this, this like one time special ability to attack over mountains. So I would basically just build up my entire force. No one could attack me because the only way into Mordor was the black gate or Minas Morgul, which were super easy to defend because they're bottlenecks. Mm-hmm. And so oh, yeah. basically I would just hold up in there, save that card and then like bust out. So <laughs> anyway, bust a move. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, much to the chagrin of my brother, um, who was always like, "You always do this." <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's legit a strategy. strategy. It's a strategy. It's like the same people who would hole up in Australia and then you know burst forth with a vengeance in the original Risk. Um, <laughs> so, anything you didn't like about the trailer, any anything that you're like, eh, not as excited about that. It's not that. There's nothing that I'm not excited about. It's more of just interesting choices that they made like with Galadriel mm. being so young and mm. at the at the same and looking at and with her speaking with Elrond that they look about the same age mm. when it's just like she she would be significantly she, older she'd almost if not if not Kate Blanchett difference thousands of years I'll look it up age difference between them all right so so the age difference thing had you a little that, thrown, but but what? Yeah, else? that's re- that's really my only qualm with it because those are, those are just those are characters that we have we have seen time and time again and grown up with, so to have that that little bit of an of such a strange pick for the characters. Okay, so Elrond was born several hundred years after Galadriel. Mm-hmm. Um, so she was born in 1362 of the age of the trees. Um, so if you take the beginning of the second age, that would mean that she is, uh, 1970 years old. Okay. So 
1,970 years old. What 1,970-year-old you make look as good. You will not. Um, <laughs> and then and then it said, depending on your reckoning, um, it says that she could even be between 3,500 and 5,400 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas Elrond at that same time would be closer to 3,400 years old. Yeah, you know, only only 3,400 years old. Yeah, you know, give or take only a couple of millennia. <laughs> um, so uh, we also get to see Gilgalad. Oh yes. So so what's going to be interesting to me is when you get to Lord of the Rings, you basically have the kingdom of Rivendell, and then of course Galadriel. Um, in her, her forest kingdom of Lothlorien. Uh, but Linden kind of takes a backseat, you know, you know, that's where they ultimately go and sail the ship into the West in the end, but you don't really, you know, you know, it's time has kind of faded. Whereas here in the second age, Linden is the happening place for the elves, you know, a very bustling port city. Yes, it is. So it'll be exciting to see, uh, Gilgalad, uh, who eventually gives his ring of power to Gandalf, right? Like he was the holder Gil- of the Gilgalad never had a ring. He didn't? Wait. No. I thought the original I thought I mean it ends up with Elrond in, in, in Lord of the Rings, it's Elrond, Galadriel, and then Gandalf, right? So who was the Gandalf, first holder? Gandalf got the ring from I think it I okay, think it, I gotta look this up now. Yeah, I'm I thought, looking up. I'm... I thought it was I thought it was uh, Gilgalad who had it, and then when he died, sacrificing himself, that's when it it eventually okay. made its way oh, to Gandalf. Okay, you are you are you are correct. Okay, I thought that was right. right. I was like, so, man, I thought it was an because I'm like it was the three rings to elves. So I was like, I thought he was number three, and then when he died, it went to Gandalf. That, right. That's what so, I had in the. No, Gilgalad had had uh, Elrond's ring, and it, that was passed on to him. Kirdan oh. the shipwright was gave his ring to to Gandalf. Okay, Kyrdan. all right. So I had the wrong. So he did pass it to Elrond, but it. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, in the shipwright gave it to Gandalf. Okay, I knew Gandalf had a hand me down. That's all yes. I remember. <laughs> <laughs> I don't Very mean, what a yeah what a what a hand me down to receive right like that that's something you don't find in a uh, a goodwill bin every day. <laughs> <laughs> your your Middle Earth goodwill. Oh, I'll try this ring. Ah, shiny. <laughs> so for me, and uh, and looking at the teasers, and, and I just I have to remind myself that these are teasers, and in the the nomenclature of movies, a teaser usually does not tell you anything about the story. A, mm-hmm. a teaser is just that it teases things, um, and and I think they were careful to also call this one a teaser because a lot of people think that. Um, San Diego Comic-Con is when they're going to reveal the official trailer. Oh, yeah. Um, which would totally make sense. But I'm just sitting here going, I still don't know what the story is. Like, yes, I know Galadriel is involved in some sort of like, no, guys, I mean it. The evil is out there kind of yeah. position. But where in the second age are we? Who is the bad guy? Like, is is in this first season? Is it Sauron right out of the gate, or is there some other like sub mortal peril that everyone is under, and then you know he becomes more of a threat in the the coming seasons? Because uh, we know there's going to be five. So the you know. only 
to answer that question, I would think it would have to, that Sauron would just have to be the bad the whole time. It's just different levels of bad, because we could be because this first season could be him. He's raising up his armies in Mordor. He's he's uh may he may be uh starting to make the rings of power, like uh, coming in in his fair form to be the start the rings of power, and then by by the end of the first season, it's him, but with him because he it could. It could be that in the last season or last episode of season one, it's him making the ring of power, and a certain, and and the last scene, it's him going one ring to rule them all. Oh, I got mm. chills there. <laughs> hey, I mean that'd be a that'd be a heck of an ending for uh, season one of the Rings of Power. Um, but uh, but to me, that that's really my only complaint with the trailer is. You can make this the prettiest show ever, but it means nothing if the story is not gripping. And, <laughs> Game of Thrones. Well, season Game eight. Of, Game of, yeah, Game of Thrones had it all the way up until season seven and season eight. Yeah. Um, you know, the, those memes out there where it's, you know, a beautiful picture of a horse and then it gets to the yes. end. It's like a stake figure horse. That's so true. And unlike Game of Thrones, though, is we had no clue how Game of Thrones was going to end. What I just still don't know how they're going to do this is we are in a position where we know how it ends, right? Mm -hmm. Like, we know Elrond and Galadriel aren't going to die. We know that Sauron is defeated enough to where he goes into retreat before having to, you know, reascend to power in the events of the Third Age. So what story are they going to tell that has me... I gotta watch next episode because I don't know what's gonna happen because really I feel like the best they can do is introduce a new character that I care about enough to know okay do they survive but but I feel like for a show that's this grand I can't just be localized to a singular character on yes. such an epic scale to make me care like I feel like there has to be some sort of world threat to an extent that I, as a, a like a book reading fan, still won't know what's going to happen, and and that I just I don't know. I know it it had to be the focus on these new characters because, like you said, with the with these big characters that we know of, we know how it whether they live or die, mm-hmm. or or who they become or what they go yeah. on to be. So it'd be. An interest. It's just gonna. The story is totally new, but it's going to be following the set plots that Tolkien had set down. Mm-hmm. So having the, it's an inch. It's an interesting uh, dilemma there, of like you can't stray from these from these major points, but you still also but you're able to wind the trail to to each point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so th- that's that's just still the the jury's out on that is all right. I've not seen enough of your plans for the story. That how are you going to keep me gripped to the edge of my couch for five seasons when I already know the ending, or or I know enough about where the the world has to go. So so is it 
you just really introduce characters that I fall so in love with that, you know, I can't stand the idea of them not surviving or in the, in the sandbox corner that they have been given. Um, cause again, you know, we know that they don't have rights to the Silmarillion, so they can't rewrite portions of it. Um, will they introduce a completely new concept or a completely new like civilization or world event that would make me care? Um, that's gonna so, be a, that's gonna be a tough one because if you try to introduce anything major and new that wasn't written down, you have a whole army of oh, fans. Yes, this I mean, is what, this I, is what Peter Jackson faced with both making Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit. Oh yeah, and and he faced and he faced he got dealt a lot of wrath with The Hobbit. Even I enjoyed it, but I get I can get some what some of those people's thoughts were. I understand it so. I mean, for me, The Hobbit was just too long. It needed to be two films, not three. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that, that lo- like, broad strokes was my biggest complaint with it. Overall, I thought, I mean, you know, I love the story, grew up with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I even tolerated the animated one um, for nostalgia reasons, <laughs> purely. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, the story is just still king for me. Is, is the story going to feel like Tolkien or... Is the story going to feel like the same fate of Game of Thrones that it's like, wow, this was an attempted fan service and it just really wasn't that compelling. Mm -hmm. Um, It looks beautiful, but it's just not it's not something memorable. You know, it's it's not going to be these are the stories that you remember, Mr. Frodo. Like, is it going to be one of those Mm -hmm. or is this going to be like, wow, Amazon just really tried really hard (laughs) and it looked (laughs) gorgeous. Um, Yeah, there's. With the teaser, teaser. I'm I'm just going to keep calling the one that came in a couple of days ago the teaser, teaser. Yeah, it that, is the teaser, teaser. Yeah, that we get to we we are shown the ends for a quick moment. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if we if they're going to show us ends, are we going to get ent wives? wives? Yes, we finally see the ent wives. Like that would be fun if they have okay, those kind that of is Easter eggs. Tr- mm-hmm. They have those Easter eggs for fans. Like in the yeah. course of this show, we fi- we find out why the Ent wives left, or like how they got lost, or um, what happened to them. Or, or what that happened is a to them. good that is okay. That's a good story plot right there that we that we just thought of. Well, but that can't be the whole show, right? Like that can't be my my hook for the entire show. Is like what happens to the Ent wives? Like it, it's got to be something more compelling than that. Well, now while that is a great subplot. Um, you know, the, again, the, the question mark is just still out for me for what is the big thing that's yeah. going to make me care. Um, because, you know, they're, they're, we, we brought this up when we were talking about this, the uh, like sequel versus no sequel. But when you have a movie like Valkyrie where you know that Hitler isn't going to die, like whatever assassination attempt isn't going to work. How do you still make it engaging? And, or like and, with, or like with Obi Wan with their final yeah. two is like we know we we know that they both survived. So mm-hmm. where where is it that we are going to be holding onto our seats of what is going to happen? Well, and for me in that duel, it was when his helmet was slashed into, and we got that wonderful moment of Hayden oh. Christensen with James Earl Jones, the voices in tandem talking and taunting. Oh, that like, was that was awesome. So. Yeah, I mean, if they have those moments in here where, say, Kella, uh, 
Celebrimbor and Sauron have some sort of like epic duel with each other before Sauron slays him. All right, I'll sign up for that. Like I, I know Celebrimbor is gonna is gonna bite it, but does he go down swinging? Right? Like, is, is, do we have a nice sword versus forging hammer fight? Um, mm-hmm. You know that like that would be cool. But um, uh, well, this has been fun. This is oh, a fun yeah. discussion. I, I I could talk for for another age about this. <laughs> I... Uh, but I do uh, I I do need to hearken back, uh, and and get get some sleep for tomorrow. Oh. I work. Um, one one last thought. Yes. Before 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 we end this, um, with it going back with the ants and all that, obviously Treebeard is going to be there. Will John yes. Reese davies be reprising his role? I mean, I've not seen his name in any of the dockets, but, I mean, especially if it's like a voiceover cameo, I feel like you could keep that under wraps very easily. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, plus, is a really tree bird? A tree bird. Is a really tree beard if it's non, not John Rice davies <laughs> Like, it, it can't be. You know, that, that's like trying <laughs> no, to do Darth can't. Vader without James Earl Jones. Like, you oh, gotta gosh. have him. Gotta have him. The day yeah. that they do it without James Earl Jones, it's it'll it's be a sad sweet. day. Not my Vader. <laughs> well, who knows if they'll even have to? Because with all the vocal technology out there now, to where like as long as you have samples of someone's voice, you can then just have them say whatever you need them to say. It's True. crazy, man. Like I don't yeah. know. Like if you listen to uh, our episode on uh, Top Gun Maverick, like all of that voice was synthesized for Iceman. Mm-hmm. Like Val Kilmer can't talk in real life, so all of that is simulated. Like oh, it's yeah. nuts what they can do. I mean, and plus, I mean, in Mandalorian or you know, Book of Boba, <clears throat> I mean, Mandalorian season two point five. I mean, <laughs> all of all of Luke's lines were like young Mark Hamill that had been synthesized. Like it's crazy what they can do. So oh, yeah. who knows? I, may, maybe we will never have to be in a world where it's not James or James Earl Jones's Darth Vader voice. Um, but uh, that's a that's another thing to discuss on another podcast but yes. uh hey let us know your thoughts uh i know by the way just so you know aaron brown is rolling over um that he cannot be here to go on his own lord of the rings rant uh but he did he did see the the teaser and he uh let me know his thoughts which uh if you want to share your own join us on discord we would love to hear your thoughts and impressions on this trailer and uh, join our community. It's fun. We, we stay very positive, have just some fun, geeky fun throughout the week. And uh, Rob, thanks for joining me on this quest to, uh, to talk about our impressions. Of course. A wizard is never late, nor is he early. He arrives precisely when he means to. Just like this episode. We're, yes, we always intended to have an episode 99.5. This episode will arrive exactly when it intends to. Uh, but hey... Thanks for listening, and we will catch you later, Daggum Nerds. Game over.